everyone, and welcome to yet another SEO podcast. We're joined today by the awesome, the most fantastic woman in the world. That is my wife and my boss. So I'm sort of obliged to say this, but it's also true. Um, her name is Marieke van der Act or Marieke van der Act if you're Dutch. She uh, has been with us for quite a while now, but I'll let her tell you that herself, actually. Hi, Marieke. Hi, really nice to be here. And it's really weird that you're pronouncing my name incorrectly in English. <laughs> Everyone is always trying to do it as correctly as possible, and you're just butchering it. <laughs> I, I call myself Juice de Valk as well when people refer to me in, in English. It's what, what you do, you know? It's it's part of the of the, the Dutch thing of trying to be ever more English. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like a pop star or a rock star <laughs> even if you're a Marieke van der Act. Yeah. yeah, it sounds very cool, right? Yeah. It, 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 it has a, a certain ring to it that Marieke van, de, Marieke van der Act just doesn't really have no that's just so. the girl from the countryside <laughs> and and you're not so um marika you're now the ceo of yoast but how did you get there <laughs> i wanted to make an inappropriate joke but i'm not going to do that so um i've been in this position for almost now for more than two years now uh, and before that my husband was the ceo which is you Oh, uh, hey, wait, yeah, hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was always involved. So whenever, oh, I think it was 11 years ago uh, when you really founded uh, Yoast uh, from our attic. And I was still, I just finished my PhD and I was working at the university. But I was always involved in what you were doing and how the company was growing. And at one point, it just became too much to combine all these things. So we also had three children at that time we now have four children which made it a bit too much to combine all these things and i decided if you can't beat them join them and uh, i joined yoast i think that was eight years ago um and pretty soon after that i founded the yoast academy which is kind of my baby and i've been doing a lot of marketing a lot of blogging writing which is also something i really enjoy and um, well, two years ago, I well, we decided that it was a good idea that I became the CEO. And I think we have we have a lot of things in common, but CEO wise, we're pretty much each other's opposites. I, I I'd say we'd be we're complementary skill sets. <laughs> Uh, where I, for those who are listening who don't know, I run product to Joost, but I also um, still uh, in, in, well involve myself a bit sometimes with finance, which Marika hates. Uh, yeah, I'm so and, sorry. And I'm legal. Um, hate legal as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I do the boring bits, and she does the exciting bits of company culture and talking to people, which I prefer not to do outside of this podcast. <laughs> Well, you do like to talk to people, <laughs> yeah. No, but but you are kind of the nerdy nerdy part of our company, and I think so. If we look at our customers, we have we have the Yoasts, who are like these taggy people who like who know everything about SEO and about what you can do with our plugin. And then we have the Marikes, we who are kind of the writers, uh, people who use our product to rank higher. And of course, everyone uses our product to rank higher, but who are not not technical people per se so i think we're we're just representing all of our customers the nerdy ones and the writers 
I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's like I I uh, like all the technical stuff, but at the same time, um, a lot of the pe- the stuff that you hear back from users that they like us for are the things that are not all that technical because they don't see or understand the technical bits. In fact, one of those things is the reason I wanted to have you on the show today. It's almost like I planned this. Um, because our readability analysis, you talked about Academy as being uh, your your child. Well, I think the readability analysis is in many ways your child as well. Yes, that's the thing in, in the product that I came up with. Yeah, well, yes. So I was, um, we were all, so we had Yoast Academy and I was, um, well, I was saying that um, the SEO analysis with the bullets, which is a really nice thing, um, Text should also be nice to read. Eh? They should should have everything what it takes to rank high in Google, but they also should be a nice read. And so we came up with doing a same kind of check system for readability. And I knew a little bit about readability because I enjoy writing, but um, I'm not a linguist. So we hired Irene, Irene, uh, which, who's still with us uh, today and... Uh, had a magnificent career here at Yoast. Um, and she, well, she, she was pretty quickly in doing her research, uh, finding out what we should put into that readability analysis. And then she coded it herself. Yeah, she couldn't code beforehand. So this is, and now five years later, she's one of our engineering leads and she's even on our management team now. So it, it is, um, yeah, that is quite the career, but she's also no longer alone. We have a couple more linguists, don't we? We have an entire team. Yes, yeah. we have an, an entire team of four linguists. And we also work with some freelancers because we're doing... So we we noticed we, we first made the readability analysis for English, but th- these kind of things are different for all languages. So in order to do that correctly, you needed to have... Um, well, you need to, to do research in different languages. And uh, if a native linguist is the best you can have, I think. So it's really hard, even for a linguist, uh, to do research in a language which isn't related to anything you really know. So to do research in, um, well, in in all these 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 languages they talk in India, um, that's really hard for 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 our Dutch people. Yeah, I, I just counted. There are five linguists actually, but the the team is consistently growing, so that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is a. A, a large team and we even have more linguists ac- across the company yes. now it's always um it's 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 funny if you look at the, the background of yoast people they have very diverse backgrounds from non-educated like me to people with a phd in criminology like you yes. to uh philosophy majors and uh and all these different things uh, but we have one thing we have the most of and that is linguists yeah you know, i think that that makes sense because our our product, of course, is very has very much to do with language. Google is some is, is doing a lot of research into language, and in order to help people rank high in Google, you need to have well, kind of the same knowledge. So it makes sense to have linguists on board at Yoast to work uh, well both at the readability but also at the SEO part. Uh, we also have a lot of research we're doing in uh, well in linguist in ling- language languages yeah so um why is readability so important what is it that makes it so uh, a thing that we need to focus on first it's important for the user so 
reading from a screen, which we all do, is hard. It's harder than reading from a book. It just means you need more brain capacity in order to read from a screen, especially from a mobile screen. Because um, if sentences are rather long, you'll see that on a mobile screen, the sentences will run over multiple lines. And that thing, just the fact that it runs over multiple lines, that makes it harder to process. So, and and of course, if you're reading from a mobile, you are distracted, surrounding. Oh, there are so, so many things surrounding you. That's different from reading a book if you're just sitting at home on your couch. So, readability, especially for for texts, for digital text, for web texts, is really important. That that'll just make it easier to get your message across. And that's just the user part. Also for Google readability is, is really important, partly because uh, Google wants to present the user its best experience and Google sees that texts that are nice and easy to read will get more engagement, but also because it's harder for Google to grasp the meaning of sentences that are really, really irregular or really hard because there won't be around that often, those kinds of sentences. So... It, does that mean that writing more readable text will also make it easier to rank? Ah, this is a hard question. Um, I think it will. It will because you'll you'll have a larger potential to to rank for. I'm not saying that readability is a ranking factor. I won't go that far, but it will uh, give your reader a better experience, which will definitely help with your ranking in the long run. So a lot of people say that, well, but I write about a really difficult topic. So um, it doesn't matter to my audience because my audience is really, really smart. They're all like really smart people and it doesn't matter for my audience. But I, I don't agree because the entire focus, if you want to reach a larger audience, which I think basically is the thing you're doing with SEO, trying to get more people to your website then you'll have to have language that'll allow um, other people outside of your niche to come and understand your texts. And I don't think that the language should be the thing holding your customers back to understanding what you're talking about. If, you're, if your subject is really hard, then the language shouldn't be the thing that, that gets people not to understand it. That should be the topic, not the language. So your PhD thesis, does it pass our readability check? It does. I'm really proud of that. I've, I've always been a writer that uses uh, small sentences. I like to make things easier to understand. I think if something is hard and you can't explain it correctly, then you don't understand it correctly. So you should be able to, to, to explain it to people in a way that people will understand. Now, I have to say... In the field of research where I did my PhD, and it wasn't particularly common to use subheadings, <laughs> so I had to add those to my, my thesis. But if I did do that, and white spaces, they didn't do that either. But, but as far as goes for transition words of passive voice of sentence length, I all have mastered those. Yeah, That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I still need the readability analysis to write better text. It, it's funny because it actually has made me a better writer. I think uh, having that and having that constant feedback on um, 
on writing and you, when you're writing you you sort of feel like oh i'm gonna get a red bullet for because this sentence is far too long and then you you just know that you that you need to fix that it's a it it really helps in improving yeah but a lot of people think it's really annoying as well because it's it's kind of personal you're writing and then and when we first made the readability analysis we're dutch and we're kind of blunt so now we say your readability needs improvement but in the first in the first uh, phase we just said readability bad yeah which was true but also not very nice. No, it's not very nice. And it's not because of it. it's it's just because we're not native English speaker. And, and in Dutch, we're used to saying things much more bluntly, I think. So Yeah, it, 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 we are a bit of a blunt people, I've noticed. We sometimes need improvement as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this readability analysis has been changing. Did anything change in a major way over these five years? Well, no, I think the people like back in Roman time, the Greek people, they were researching language. So we're not, we didn't invent anything new five years ago. I think we were the first tool that really took readability into account in an an SEO way. Uh, You, of course, you had Grammarly back then, you had Grammarly and Hemingway and they did, they did kind of similar things, but really focusing on the, 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 easiness to read a text that's something we were the first to do that and to really research that and i think it's an honor that so many tools have built a kind of a readability thingy in their tools as well that's the open sourcey way of doing that um so i think all the things we know about what makes for a good read we've known for like centuries that's so different from the seo part we're doing right because that's that's not been around. No, but to be honest, that doesn't change all that much either. <laughs> it's funny because what you're saying about um, and simple is harder because you have to understand it better. That's one of the things that I always find when I look at our SEO plugin. People go like, yeah, but that's a very simple plugin in some ways. And I'm like, yeah, you know how much time it took me to make it that simple? Because it is so hard to grasp a topic that well that you can simplify it. Yeah. I think Einstein actually said that, that if you don't understand it, or if you can't explain it simple, then you don't understand it correctly. He said something like that. He was really smart. So he knows the stuff. <laughs> so everything he said must have been true, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. But I do think it's it's really hard to explain something um, in a simple way. And... Um, and especially if you have a hard topic to write about, uh, then you probably have a lot of those really hard words, these, these lengthy terms that nobody understands. That alone, and you, you probably need to use those words because your audience expects you to use them. That alone will, well, it helps a lot if you use those words and then put them into shorter sentences. That'll make it easier to read. So you don't have to dumb down some people ask me, should I do? I don't know how to dumb down my writing style. We call it opening up for a larger uh, audience. That's just what you should do. But I th- see a lot of people, I think even you were one of those people who said, yeah, but my audience is really, really smart. The, the, the thing is, so I came from having worked at The Guardian for a couple of years. and, and well, Their the audience Guardian, is really, really smart. Yeah, you have to be because otherwise you can't read their paper. <laughs> um, so it, it, it it's a thing that I 
I've I've actually changed my opinion on. So I I love their English. I love their application of the language and just how beautiful it all is in some of these articles. But at the same time, it's also hard to grasp. So if you're like the Guardian is doing climate activism and you're trying to read reach a large large audience out there, then you'd probably be better off if you wrote a bit simpler and, and made it easier to understand for a lot of people uh, and they can get away with it because of their brand but if you have a normal website and you want to become the guardian without a brand that's really hard so in order to get a bigger audience you need to have language that'll well appeal to a large audience i would even go as far as saying that in order for for them to appeal to even an american audience they have to to get rid of some of their english ness in how they write well and their paperness so they of course are a newspaper and they've used to writing from for people who read from paper which is really different from reading from a screen so i we've, we've had those tweets that hemingway would have died at our readability score because if you I, I never tried it. I, I only put my PhD through the, through the readability thingy. But if you put Hemingway through the readability thingy, it gets red bullets. But, of course, our readability analysis wasn't built <laughs> for novels. We, no, we, we didn't build it for literature. We built it for web copy. And, and there is quite a difference. Yes. And, and, and Hemingway wasn't trying to maintain a mom blog or selling pens online. That's And that that is the thing that our customers are doing, are trying to do. And yeah. that's really different from uh, writing a novel, which, of course, is, is art. And I think part of The Guardian, that's art as well. And they can do that because they have that big brand. And people enjoy that. But ranking-wise or trying to get a large audience that doesn't already love The Guardian, that's hard. I, yeah, I agree. Um, you already mentioned selling pens, but if you're selling stuff online, um, one of the hardest things to write is product copy. Just, just <laughs> You shouldn't about- call it product copy. <laughs> that's your first mistake. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, what should I call it? What is it? Well, people, well, it, it depends. It always depends, right? But if you look at our product, people aren't trying to buy an SEO plugin. They're trying to rank higher in Google. So in order to appeal to your audience, you should write about the problem you're solving and not about your product. So we make that mistake, well, every year. And then we wrote something which is really product-based. Fake, uh, uh, product it's just focused on what we are selling and not on what people want to buy. So in, in good product copy, you always should think about what's the problem I'm solving. Well, if you're selling pens, it's pretty simple. You want people to write, but but probably you have a pen that that makes it the writing experience really nice. You should you should find your niche, find out which problem you're really solving for your audience and write about that. That's probably also the thing that people are searching for. Right? People aren't searching, well, they are searching for Yoast if they know Yoast and they are searching for an SEO plugin if they know that that exists. But if they're further away from that, they'll probably be searching for how can I rank higher in Google? And that's why 
we want to rank for because that's where our people come in. Yeah, so there's a bit of a difference there in what type of copy you're writing as well, depending on the product that you're selling. Because for our uh, product, a lot of people won't even know that they're looking for our product. And at the same time, a lot of um, people searching for pens online or for dresses or shoes will know exactly what they're looking for. Lario's shoes is such a big product. (laughs) I, that's true, but but I, I when I search for a product, I know wh- which shoes I'm searching for. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. I think they maybe they're searching for shoes for the summer, or shoes that that won't get those weird blisters. Um, so so they could be browsing as well, and they could. They, every product has has like a promise or should have a promise, but sometimes people don't even know that they want that. So then you should go further away and, and find out what people would want what, what do you what do your customers want yeah yeah so that's that should be the first step of your keyword research yes and also yeah and also the focus you you'll be taking in your marketing approach so it's and it's i think every company makes the same mistake because you're really proud of what you've built we're re- we were really proud when we built a readability analysis, but nobody out there was really waiting for it. But they were waiting for a ranking higher in Google or try or, or getting a bigger audience. So these are the things you want to like convince people um, to use your product with. Yeah. So um, what we're slowly getting to is sort of a co- coherent marketing strategy, which is fitting because you're the CMO of the company as well. Um, uh, but it, it, it really means you're, so you're thinking about well, what do they want? What is my promise with this product? Yeah. And then you're, you're putting that into copy. And that at that point, the readability of that copy becomes important again, I think, um, in, in order for people to understand that mission, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, you're, they, they need to understand what, what problem it solves. One of the things that I think is the hardest problem in, in SEO is, is to build product pages that are nice if you have like 10 versions of a product. Uh, and in writing copy, that becomes boring rather quickly. Is there um, a way that we can make that nicer? No. <laughs> This is where we stand out. We're honest about our product. And no, we can't make this better. (laughs) Well, writing product pages is really hard. So I, and it's really hard to give an answer to such a general question because I think it always will remain boring, but you should really, and and it, it will become even harder if you sell a lot of products. If you have like one thing that really um, niche and, and really solves something, I think it will be, um, easier to write copy about that because you have something that that you only have, but for a lot of shops they'll have um, products that multiple shops also will sell. So that makes it that that that'll always be a challenge. You could do a lot of things about that, but I'm not going to lie to you and say that it's it will be fun. No, and easy. no, it is incredible. It, it, one of the things I was trying to get to is like. Uh, a lot of these shops need blog strategies or something to to well to allow people to discover their products mm-hmm. um because that's basically what we're doing with our blog team as well right it's one of the teams you lead at Yoast how many people do we have writing it's a, i mean it's a lot of 
stuff that we do for that. Three people writing full-time on our blog. We have just hired the fourth. Yeah, and then we have, I, I'm writing myself still as well. So we have a lot of people who will just write blog posts, nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> just write yeah, and, and research. Uh, and, and research and yeah. update blog posts. Yeah. So if, if we translate that to a store that sells dresses, uh-huh. um, it, it, they, they have to write some product copy for their product page, but let's say they've done that. What should they do in their, in their, should they have a blog? Should they be talking about that? Should they use that? They should really. So I think if it's a shop that sells dresses, then you should figure out what makes you set apart from other shops that sell dresses. Um, is maybe you have dresses that are eco-friendly, or maybe you have dresses that are focused on a specific niche, finding out what makes you stand out and why people should buy your dress that'll allow you to set up a blog strategy because then you'll you'll you can really try to reach that audience and write about that i can i can i really think about dresses a lot so i can just imagine all these stories that you could tell about the dresses as long as you know why you are selling them and i think every successful product or web page has a promise has a mission only sometimes people don't just don't know it and when you've become a customer so you 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 buy some dresses every now and then how do you learn about new dresses is that in blog posts as well or is that mostly email i think it's uh, uh, also social so i think uh, for me and i i'm old so i'm on facebook uh, but also instagram could be like a great way to get your um to, to reach your audience yeah, so so the audience you already have, yeah. you don't need to reach on uh, on Instagram or Facebook with your new products. The audience you already have are people that are following you, and you should tell them new stories about the things you are doing. Yeah, well, it's honestly, I don't think you're weird in that in any way. I, it's how uh, Muscalori, my favorite shoe brand, sells me new shoes all the time. It's by 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 just hitting me with advertisements for new shoes. But it's just. If you have a physical product, you can do so much with images. And uh, so that, that makes it easier. We at Joe's don't have a physical product. We have a pretty difficult product to understand. So we do a lot of with blog posts and explainers and all these kinds of stuff. And um, well, we're currently looking into doing more video as well, which helps, I think, explain difficult things. But it all depends on your product and what your best strategy should be in getting people to notice you and to buy your stuff yeah we've recently had phil nottingham uh on the show and we talked about video a lot and i think video is probably one of the most underestimated powers again in search for a while there it was gone and now it's it's popping back into search results more and more and more again it's actually something you can do a whole lot with Mm -hmm. um in all, all areas of seo and I think readability for video is also really important. <laughs> I see a lot of people, um, well, using like the, the teleprompter, that's what it's called in English, right? Um, um, to do their video. But also, if you use teleprompter, you should make sure that your, your text is something that people can actually follow because it gets boring really fast. Now we're talking normally, but if you're talking and reading from well, your teleprompter, it should be text that's actually made for reading out loud. So the sentences yeah. should be short and it should be nice to watch because you'll you'll just hit all the sponta- spontaneity out of people if you use teleprompter. 
Yeah, it's it's one of the things that um, we've probably learned over time. We did we so we record a, a lot of academy uh, movies with uh, um, with autocue or teleprompter or whatever you want to call it, uh, and you have to practice those tests, those texts. So they come out a bit natural because even when you're reading from that screen, otherwise it just becomes very dull. Yeah. And, and you don't know when the jokes is coming up and then you're reading your joke and then you think, Oh, <laughs> and you're laughing at the wrong time. So you really, to, to be fair, practice. that happens to me a lot in real life as well, where <laughs> I just laugh too late. And it's just part of being me. Um, but um, this is, yeah, this is true. It is, it is really important to have, well, to have that understanding. You are acting basically at that point and, uh, yeah. and you need some practice. Yeah. Um, so you've set up uh, Yoast Academy. You've set up uh, or you've started, kickstarted the readability analysis. Mm-hmm. And then you became the CEO. Yes. And this was entirely logical to you and me, but not to a whole lot of other people. Uh, so, so let's let's take people along a bit and what changed in the company and why it became why it was sensible for you to become the CEO instead of me. Well, we've always done this with multiple people, so uh, there was always a board at Yoast, and we recently had a change in the board, but we're all, always with four. And we're now with five people. So you and me, and then we have Omar, and now we have Thijs and Chaya, and we used to have Michiel, who left the company. Um, but um, but you were pretty much the driving force for a really long time. Um, and I think that didn't change, but it, it became a little bit more um, balanced, at least between the two of us. Um, and I think... As the company grew, I was the one who was always um, trying to get all those people together. So I was a lot, I did a lot in company culture and making sure that, um, well, that people had a really nice place to work at, at Joost. Um, and then your main focus always been on product. So that's the thing you really wanted to focus on and not so much on the, on being the boss or the, the leader of the pack yeah or or even the uh uh the the person to the outside world doing all the presentations i well you're still i think the person on the to the outside world at least now you have someone next to you <laughs> which took a bit of the pressure off because it can be a lot i i also think it's it can be a lot of pressure um because people um um are are seeing um well, they are looking up at us. We have 12 million users. So I think that took a bit of the pressure off. And at, we, we are always deciding things with the entire board. And and so it's not it's not entirely a democracy, but, but you always, that way you always listen to all of us. So that didn't really change. Only now no. I was the boss. Yeah, it... it, it, it. It was quite a natural transition for us in many ways, and I, I, I think it's actually you. You hit that stage where you where you're reaching like a hundred people in a company, and you and company culture becomes something that you have to work on. And mm-hmm. um, well, you were obviously and still are much much better at that than I am because I simply don't care enough. Uh, it's just marketing, you know. It's just marketing. 
it it is very like marketing yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, honestly we in, in within marketing there is the kind the parts of marketing that i like and the parts of marketing that i don't like and you you like the other stuff so i like uh, telling stories and coming up with crazy ideas and you like uh, measuring the effects <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm more on the analytical side of things. Yeah, absolutely. It is um, it it is very much a a, a well a different approach to uh, to how you do things. It's actually good that you mentioned that you like measuring things because you, your PhD was quite well technical and you did quite a bit of measuring in that yeah you know that now but when, when i was doing my phd yours wasn't really interested <laughs> and then when i finished it he was like oh i could have really helped you with that <laughs> yeah it turns out that data analysis is something i can do pretty well and then and that i didn't actually figure out that the i could have done that to her data as well i'm, I'm still sorry for that <laughs> i wrote a really really quantitative uh phd so my phd was about the influence of parents on their children in their criminal behavior. So I had like 5,000 fathers and 7,000 children. And we've, uh, we just like analyzed in which ways those criminal trajectories resembled each other. They do resemble each other, but not as much as you might expect. So it's, it's not, if your father was a criminal, you don't necessarily have to be a criminal as well. That's basically my PhD in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a very good nutshell, but yeah. it's honestly, one of the things that, that I always tell people when I talk about this is, is that it's both funny, but also very interesting that um, the uh, conversion rate on a website and, and how, how many people buy stuff is very similar to how many people, how many kids become uh, criminals when they're when their dad is a criminal because it's always a low percentage yeah they're using the wrong statistics in order to measure that or at least a lot of people are using the wrong statistics when i came and joined yoast i also thought that i would be the analytics girl but um i i can't bear it i think i don't know people in in our field are just collecting data and they're not asking the questions and I only ask the questions and I want them answered, but I do not care about gathering data all that much. I only gather data if I want to answer something, which is a really different approach to a lot of people who are in the analytics world. I think, I, in, I think a lot of people in the analytics world have matured a bit into actually doing a bit more hypothesis-based research and actually thinking about what they want to research before they do so. But I also do think that they still sometimes use the wrong statistical methods to uh, to calculate what their what the impact is of, of the change they're doing. Um, this is obviously not true for everybody, and, and no, the no, mileage no, no. may vary, and blah blah blah. All the all the usual caveats apply. No, I don't think it was like when I joined the company eight years ago. I I found that that I was just like, no, this is not what I I I just assumed that I would be the research person and i still enjoy doing research but not in the way that 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 people are doing it in this industry or at least what i saw them doing yeah it's funny i um our mutual friend avinash uh, at google has been saying i think basically that for years now saying hey if you don't have if you don't know what you're gonna do if that kpi changes why have that kpi at all and um no, it's 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 one of those things that you imprinted on me that that uh, like a, a lot of these things are nonsense um, because you're just looking at nice screens, but you're not changing your behavior. That that is well the good thing of a of a science background, I guess. Yeah, 
or maybe I'm also a bit biased. <laughs> I don't know. Well, in, in many ways, you, you you did criminology, which is like a human science in many ways. Is that we are trying to fix human behavior all the time? Yeah, but I think um, a lot of people forget that that these are people. So uh, we have this discussion all the time. Um, if you look at our social media revenue, that's nothing. We don't sell anything from our social media campaigns. But it does, but people don't buy, especially not our product, just because they saw an ad online. That just takes a while. And it's not linear. It's not you'll get this newsletter and then you'll visit our website and then you'll buy our product. And usually the, those marketing funnels all look like that. But that's just nonsense. It, it's all about creating awareness. And then at one point in time, people will be convinced, oh, I should buy Yoast SEO Premium now. And that could be because we are running a sale, but that also could be because we are uh, releasing a new feature that solves a problem <laughs> that people have, or that people now are finally taking the time to do something serious with their SEO. But we don't know that because it's human behavior. And well, explaining human behavior is one thing, but predicting human behavior, that's really, really difficult because people just, they just make up their minds at one point in time. And you can't really predict that even with the large numbers now it's funny it, it, uh, one of the books i i was a really big fan of when i went into this industry uh, called the clue train manifesto it, it talks about markets are conversations and it it also makes the whole b2b b2c distinction that everybody always has in marketing like a really moot point because they say well in the end even in a b2b company the, the person on the other end buying your stuff is still a person yes so you have to convince a human yeah. of doing something. So it is very much about relationship building. Yeah, I think so. So I, that's what I like about marketing. That's it. You're trying to convince someone to buy your product or in our case to use our product because we're usually our marketing is all focused on getting people to know Yoast SEO, which of course is a free product. And then if we get them there, then eventually maybe they buy our product but that's a really small small percentage that's actually buying our product we should do something about that well there's probably some other marketing that's needed for from from being a free cast a free user to becoming a customer yeah but it is very much based about about the other part of marketing that i really like is branding and yeah. uh and building that brand and and just continuously hammering that drum of of uh, and and telling people like this is who we are and and this is what we stand for um it's one of the things and, and the last topic i wanted to discuss with you that you've worked on over the last year more than before it's our core values mm -hmm. and um and actually exposing our core values to the outside world because we've always had those values they're not new <laughs> but uh well i think we, we've actually put them on chalkboards so that we can change them because with values they change over time so as your company's changing you probably have changes in your core values we talked about this yesterday and being the best that's not in our core values but it's something that i think over the past few years we've been feeling that a lot so i think it should be put in there and that doesn't mean that something else should change or should be be uh, um 
uh, gone, <laughs> out of there. But I think that should be a core value that we should add to our core If value. there's a list, we want to be number one. That's yes. pretty much. Yeah, yes. but I, I think that sort of is the, the standard mission statement of an SEO. It is, but it's not in our core values yet. <laughs> we have really weird core values. Now, we just did discussions with the board and with our employees and came to like this list of things that are important to us. Like, And they're not... So for some people that work at Joe's, some things are more important than the others, but they are all in our... Well, in our value system. Yeah, and I, I, for me, it's very important that the number one core value that's there is making the web better. Yes. It's not making money. It's not um, building a huge company. It's making the web better, which which drives a lot of what I do every day. Yeah. And um, it, it's just, it, it's been quite a, a fun experience to see that and to put it out there and to, people, to have people also within the company actually reflect on that. It's probably, well, a good part of company building in a way to actually be open about your core values and to be even more mission driven. We just started a project to have new people in Yoast have them like on board with the core values. So I don't know if you know this yet, but we're going to build a video in which we tell people about why these core values are so important to us, because I think just writing them down doesn't resonate as much as if you tell them why you want to make the web better, why that's really important to us. And then I have to know myself because I honestly don't know. I've been on this web since, what is it, 94 or something, but I honestly don't know why I want to keep improving it. I do. <laughs> I think you want to keep improving it because you believe that the web is a way of people to all communicate to each other and make it equal. Well, it is a huge equalizer. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And it is, um, and, and SEO is an equalizer as yeah. well, which is, which is uh, a fun part. It's why we um, do it. It's, it's the why SEO it, for everyone. It's the the whole SEO for everyone comes back. Um, Marika, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. <laughs> and, and I know that I can talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours, which is why I married you. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, we're going to have to um, stop this recording and invite you to come back at another time, if that's okay with you. That's okay. And that was really nice being here. Well, thank you. Uh, for everyone listening, this is the Yoast SEO Podcast. If you're not subscribed yet, subscribe on your favorite platform of choice. And um, see you in another week or so for the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.